The rich have always made the rules. Rules about tax savings, social security, required minimum distributions, financial do's and don'ts. But they don't tell you what those rules are. Because if you knew the rules, you could take advantage of them like the wealthy do. Where do you go to learn about these rules? And how do you take advantage of them for your benefit? Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. That's Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power. Of Halaby, the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, information. This is AM eight seventy. That's why we're here. It's a great station, isn't it? It's a good place for you to learn. Hear what we would call uh, at least closer to the center, closer to the truth. Ideas and comments on on what's happening in the world. I, I think the reason that most of you will tune into a show like ours and others that are right here on AM eight seventy is because you're going to get news, you're going to get information, you're going to get ideas that are just not found anywhere else. I don't know if it's just that there's so much going on and there's just not enough time to cover it, right? You watch your your 6 o'clock news and in between commercials and grown adults acting silly and laughing at each other and, uh, you know, making jokes. And you're like, listen, I'm just here for the news. Can you go back to Walter Cronkite? I'm not here for entertainment. Now, you know, the truth is it is an entertaining position once the news department left the news department and became part of the entertainment or the regular television station uh, entity then its job was to make money its job was to create revenue sometimes they'll scare you they'll try to scare you down a particular road you know why aren't you hearing covid numbers on the screen anymore because they've run that circuit It's, it's basically run its course it's over i don't know covid is over people are still getting sick now and again but they were getting sick before. But there was some use to it, wasn't it? They were putting it on TV so you would follow, you would look at the ticker. Uh, 1.1 million people have it. We've crossed a milestone and more people. And we know today that most of those numbers are phony. You know it. Some of you actually, you come into my office, you know, you talk to me on the phone. Whether it's a relative that was died that, that died in a car accident and they classified him as COVID. Some of you know because you work in hospitals where they lied. I, I, look, I, you can call it something else. I, I would try to be nice, but I guess if I was maybe on another station, I would say something different. But they lied. They lied about how many people died of COVID. If a test was inconclusive, meaning somebody didn't put the 
the the uh, test in properly, right? Or the Q-tip so far up somebody's nose. If they didn't do that right, if they didn't swab it for those 10 or 15 seconds or sing Mary had a little lamb twice, whatever it was, like you teach your kids to brush your teeth. If they didn't do that, inconclusive, it was positive. I have a client worked at a big hospital here in Southern California says, uh, we were classifying, and, and this was her job, nurse practitioner. That's uh, you know one step below a doctor. I think probably in some cases smarter than some physicians because the ongoing education they have to attend, like a PA, physician assistant. But her job was to track certain things. I won't give you too many details for her sake. And she said, look, Arif, shootings, stabbings, car accidents. We started classifying them as covid She's, and I said, well, that's like fraud, isn't it? She said, yeah, I tried to tell somebody nobody would hear. And then they threatened me with my job. And I have kids. I don't want to lose my job. So you, so you understand the news media could be bringing that up every night until somebody goes to jail. Right? If their job was news, that's a lot of news. That's a lot of money, a lot of waste. $30 trillion, if you're not sure, if, if you weren't counting. A lot of waste that went out. Told you to stay home from your church, but you can go to the liquor store. Told you you couldn't go to your see your grandma dying, but you can go to the strip club. Is that weird? So you guys have to fight back. You have to stand up. Look, whether it is uh, any institution that is saying some weird stuff that just gets you in the wrong spot. I'll give you a good example. Oh, you have a pension that's going to last the rest of your life. Oh, and the government's pension. I love this one. I think it's the teachers. By law, state of California has to make sure the, the funding of the pension is there for the California state teachers. By law. Okay, so let's be clear on a couple of things. You already know that 40% of the budget by law in the state of California has to go to education. And we still have more than half in some schools, probably close to 90% in others, where kids can't even read. Read. For, forget calculus and robotics, the STEM classes. You have kids in some cities. We're spending half of all of the money. That's the real number, right? 40% by law. Gavin Newsom says, oh, I'm going to make it 50% by practice. So he's sending half the money to education. And we still have uneducated students. So let's check the news tomorrow night, see if it's there. See if, it, see if every night there's a ticker, how many students are, are still illiterate. We tested 100. 75 can't read at 12th grade level. 82 can't do a basic math equation. 47 can't count change. Remember that? Why, why isn't that on the screen? All right, well, here's the thing that I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think, is one of the biggest mistakes that most people are, are going to be a part of. But let me give you my phone number again. My name is Arif Hallaby. I don't even know if I mentioned that. Arif Hallaby, the total financial hour. Our phone number is 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. 888 retire Okay, so here's a couple of things that are important. 
I like to look at your retirement accounts. Our job is to make sure you have some or part of your money safe to take a look at based on my experience, some past involvement with, you know, pension systems and, and retirement accounts and speaking and visiting with politicians and, and authors and other people who have researched this. It's kind of a big deal to me, right? Others might go out and play golf and, and I'll read financial magazines. Okay. I try to play some golf or, or do some activities, but I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with knowing that it's probably not normal. My obsession with, with some people's financial life, it just is a weird thing. I'll take that. I'll take that as a, to, to my grave that, you know, maybe my golf score wasn't the greatest cause I, you know, I don't play very often, but I'll tell you what I think is the most important is somebody needs to be putting the truth out on your TV, news, internet feeds, whatever it is. And here's what the, quote, news is all about. You remember hearing the saying, we're going to digress a little bit because I want to bring you up to speed here. Do you remember hearing the saying, I know it's a little rude and it's early in the morning enough to, to still uh, to still watch watch our language, if you will, but, but I'm gonna, so I'm going to be close to here. Remember, remember the saying when you see somebody and, and they're so broke, you say, that guy doesn't have a pot to pee in. Maybe you'll use another word, but you'll get the idea. Right? The guy doesn't have a pot to pee in. You get it? Oh, and that the, the reason we say that is he is so broke. So where does it come from? Well, it comes from a couple places. Back in Roman times, remember the white tunics? I've covered this many years ago on the show, so some of you are new listeners, or maybe you missed it. The white tunics that the upper class would wear, right? They're white, purity, basically like a sheet, like we would call a white sheet. Today, it's in, in, in Lebanon, in, in Arabic world, it's dishdashi, has other terms for it, but you get the idea. It looks like someone's nightgown, and they do it because it keeps the dirt and dust off of them, but at the same time, you're dragging it amongst the streets. There wasn't asphalt everywhere. So as you're dragging it, the bottom, of course, gets very dirty because it's rubbing against the dirt roads, etc. So you have to wash them every day. And, and so they would use these pots and you would be paid by the, quote, dry cleaner. Often they were slaves, very poor people. You would be paid to hand over your chamber pot every morning. They would take it, dump it into a vat. The mule would pull the, the wagon to the next house and they would do the same thing, hand you the pot back, etc. And they would pay you for it. Very, very little, but, but it's a way that you could make some money. Well, if you were so broke, you couldn't even afford the pot. So what would happen is they wouldn't pay you, but the guy that did the dry cleaning, whoever owned the company, I mean, I'm using today's modern terms for it, would say, I'm going to provide you with a pot you can use it. We're not going to pay you, but at least you'll have something to use all night, all day, and then in the morning we'll pick it up. And we're not going to pay you for it, but but we'll remove it for you. It's like a chamber pot. Okay, so fast forward. It's the same thing in, in British royal courts and French courts, etc. It just continues until today's modern plumbing. So you see this as a as a way for you to, to, to at least sell what you had. 
right? Some people, women would sell their hair today even. Many people give it away. I know my daughter grew her hair out a couple of times for that organization, Locks of Love, a great organization. And she had blonde hair, kind of lighter blonde at the time, not chemically treated or anything, just lighter blonde. Now it's more of a strawberry blonde. And they said, well, we don't have as many blonde. It's just not that popular. So she felt super special that she had something that she could give that was unique to her that none other, uh, no, nobody else in the family could give. And she donated that. You feel special when you do that. So today, that's being removed from you and me as a person. Today, it isn't what you can do. It's what people or things can do for you. John F. Kennedy said it best when he said, don't ask what you can do. I'm, I'm going to uh, you know, surmise it. Don't ask what the country can do for you, but ask what you can do for the country. I mean, you understand what you can do of service. You see, years ago after the the chamber pot deal and people were trying to to make a living and you would do something and some someday you would you would create a, a store or a business because the entrepreneur mindset has always been there because you couldn't count on large corporations certainly not the government to take care of you but there was one entity that stepped up and it was the church the church stepped up and said well we're going to take care of our poor well simply because Christ commanded it, of course. So different churches, even the Muslim faith has a, a, a charity program, right? Many faiths, the Jewish faith. So the churches created programs, the organizations, the mosques, the, the temples to help their people and even other people that weren't there, that weren't believers in their faith. Many of them had community outreach programs. Even today they do. So these community outreach programs is where you, if you were somebody who had a little bit more money, you would say, I'm going to donate some money. Just stay with me. You're going to see where this is going. I'm going to donate some money to the church. Church goes out. They have the resources, the networking, et cetera, and they create a way to assist others. Okay, so along the road comes who? The government. Kings, queens, governments. They say, listen, we can't keep controlling these people. We're going to have to compete with the church. So what does the government do? The government says, we're going to set up these programs. So they had different programs, welfare programs, different things, communities, mostly small churches, uh, sorry, small uh, towns, et cetera, came together, kind of emulating the church, often using the church's programs and money. The Mormon church is very good at this. They have an amazing outreach program. So you'll see different ones out there. They do. So here's where this matters a lot. Because in the 60s, the federal government says, we're going to do this on steroids. Because certain cities and communities are being neglected. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to create this thing called Medicare and Medicaid. And we're going to call this thing called Social Security. It's just 50, 60 years old, 70. It, it, it isn't. A, these things have not really been taking off for hundreds of years, like the churches and the communities. But the government gets involved. So they, they, they create these programs. Now, look, at the time of the Social Security world, Social Security was only out there to be enough to keep you from being homeless. 
Honestly, it wasn't designed so that you could pay your electric bill and your cable bill. It wasn't designed so you could pay your car insurance and take that trip to Europe once a year. Social Security was just above welfare for retirees because they knew that you were retiring, you're, you were ailing, you couldn't work as much, you weren't as fast on the job, so more apt to be fired, etc. Okay, so Social Security comes along and it says, listen, we're going to take from everybody. And besides that, you're going to only live to 65, 63, 68 years old. Look, life expectancies, believe it or not, to get to your 70s when Social Security was created was such a rarity that they said, if you don't touch Social Security, you just let it keep growing. Follow the carrot. Here it is. When you turn 70, we'll give you this much more money. And then they check their watch, check in with you weekly. And realistically, you didn't collect very much. Right? Because life expectancy. Now, few people, even going back 200 years, lived a long time. Ben Franklin lived a long time. I mean, these things happened. We have no uh, people of notoriety that have lived into their 80s and 90s. That's, that's not, a, but the common person, right? The person that, that has notoriety often had health care, better nutrition, and hold, hold on, money. You see, my favorite thing in life is when some of you will say, oh, oh, uh, I don't talk about money. The poor talk about money. The people struggling talk about and make decisions on money way more often than wealthy people. Well, yes, of course, Eric, because they have money. It's not a problem. Well, then just discuss it that way so that you pay attention. You see, the poor mindseted person, I didn't say bad or ugly or fat or skinny or tall. I didn't say, no, no, no. The poor mindseted person. They might even have pretty good income. But the poor mindsetted person looks at the right side of the menu first. Doesn't mean they're bad or evil. There, there's words like frugal and, and careful and, you know, <laughs> some are even more pious. Okay, I get it. The poor mindsetted person is very careful when they calculate a tip to stay within that. 10 or 15 percent the rich person puts down a 20 dollars bill knowing it's more than enough they round up sometimes a lot the rich mindsetted person says what do you need not here's what i can afford look i'm not saying one is better than the other i'm saying one has a a bigger obsession with money and when you grow up thinking that Everybody else thinks the same way as you. And then when somebody thinks differently than you, here's a good example. Oh, we don't talk about money. You got money's dirty, evil. We don't talk about it in our house. But every decision you make, you get 87 octane gas. You only take a weekend vacation instead of two weeks. You stay at this hotel and not that one. You don't eat at this restaurant. You eat at this one. You live in an area where you have bars on your windows. Not because you're dirty, ugly. Look, you understand? If you had a choice, you would be different. Whatever the different is. So I want you to understand that just because you're normal is the way you think about money, it doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It doesn't mean it's, quote, better. In fact, it's often worse. Here's why. 
because you expect the government to be a greater percentage of your retirement account. And it is not supposed to be more than about 25% of what you need to live on. That's it. If you need $4,000 a month to live on, then you shouldn't expect Social Security to be greater than about 1000 or 1500 Now, in many cases, it is. And that's the problem. Social Security does not have enough money to run 100% of its current program because it is paying people way too much and taking way too little from them and giving way too much at such a young age. But Arif, you don't understand. Look, I'm telling you. What is the best way to solve Social Security? And I haven't even gotten to the, pens- the, the pensions yet, and I'll tell you that in a second. The best way to solve Social Security is nobody gets it at 62 anymore. You know, maybe you look, you start, if you're 60, you get it. If you're not, you don't, right? So we'll wait a couple of years. So the 62 number becomes 65. 65 becomes 70. And you can continue to accrue after age uh, 70 up to age 75. I would shift everything. Why? Because that's the only way you're going to save it. Because in addition to that, you need to collect more money. Look, I'm one of the higher earners. I'm blessed. I, I pray you are. You don't want to listen to a financial guy who's broke anyway. So I'm one of the higher earners. Okay, fine. That means I have to pay more money. I don't want to pay more. Why do I want to do that? Right? I'm young enough where I'll probably never get Social Security at 100% anyway. But if you make those changes, government, Social Security, I'll be willing to pay more knowing I'm never going to see it. All right? I, I think, and then what you need to do is give people a portion of that to invest in other places. I don't know, rental property, gold, stocks, bonds, crypto, whatever. Still provide that little cushion for them, but say, look, here's where we're going to go because people are getting rich off the social security system. The government is taking money. Every time you put it in, they're switching it with an IOU and then they're taking that money. It used to be Uh, Prior to Bill Clinton and Newt Gingrich voting for this uh, balanced budget thing, well, that's fine. I like balanced budget. But you took money from Social Security. You should have just left it alone. Instead, they borrowed, put in an IOU, and said, we'll pay you from cash flow later. The money's gone. We'll pay you from, from taxes. All right, so then what happens? Well, along comes the pension system. You see, because... The churches were there to keep people from being on the street. They, they did a good job, maybe not great, maybe not everywhere, but they had a pretty good system laid out. Then the government comes along and says, we're going to emulate that. That's done by a bunch of people who have no clue how to manage money, philanthropic endeavors. And then the company comes along. You see, in the 60s, 70s, government pensions were there because they couldn't pay you a lot of money when inflation started spiking. They said, listen, we can't really pay you a lot of money, but if you work here 20 years, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a pension because you're not going to live very long anyway. We'll give you a pension. Right? They, they started bringing health care to the table, the union negotiations, the, the comp, hey, come work with us at the post office. You're not going to make a lot of money, but man, we will pay for your health care when you retire. And we will give you a pension. And you're like, okay, well, it's a good trade-off. I'll take it. So that was the idea. And then surprise, we're going to keep paying you more money and you're living longer. 
I want you to live longer. I want you to live a very long time, healthy and strong. But one plus one is still two. You see, one plus one is two, whether you want it to be nine, whether you have a compassion in your heart, whether Gray Davis, Gavin Newsom, Jerry Brown, the state assembly, they passed a law that says California state teachers, pensions will be forever. We passed a law and one plus one is still two. It doesn't matter what Gavin Newsom says or thinks or hides or lies about on TV. It doesn't matter. There's still only so much money coming in. And then when the teachers receive it, when the retirees from the government receive those funds, they don't even stay in the state, which means there's no income tax to the state. I'm not saying they should tax the people. What I'm saying is you need to calculate this and come up with the formula and say, hmm, maybe, just maybe, we're doing something wrong. A couple ways to fix it is to manage the pension funds better. Right? Extend the time. You have to work longer. I'm sorry. Or you get a reduction in pension. Fine. Look, many of, especially the union folks, you've been told how to vote and you voted for these clowns in. So the ticking time bomb is your pension. We have to protect that. When we come back, the third stool of incompetence when it comes to retirement income. Well, it's the company pension, isn't it? How do we handle the company pension? I'm Eric Hallaby. Come back. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me. We'll be right back after the break. Job to do, Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Now, Arab has a plan for me. Higher hey, welcome back. Thanks strategy. for staying with me. Arab Halabi. TFS Financial Insurance Services allows this program to happen. I appreciate it. Total Financial Solutions. That's, uh, look, it's about your financial life, isn't it? Shouldn't there be a total financial review or, or an outlook? I think so. If I can help, that'd be great. Uh, you can give us a call. Sometimes uh, it's just a Zoom call or a quick phone call. Sometimes you come into the office. If, if I can help, it'd be an honor. At least get a second opinion. That might be helpful. Grab your pen and paper Sunday, February 4th at 10 a.m. Sunday, February 4th. At 10 a.m., we are showing the uh, Police State movie for free. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, Dan Bongino, and a lot of others made that happen. Uh, It's called The Police State. I want you to see what's coming. Because there's a way to prepare for this. Oh, don't try to scare people. Listen, when there's a hurricane coming, do you yell at the weathermen and say, hey, don't try to scare people? Or does the weatherman give you updates so that you can prepare? (laughs) Right? I think you just have to learn to prepare. You have to, That's what it's all about. The police state movie, we're showing uh, no cost for you. In fact, I think we have uh, popcorn and some snacks and other things that we're going to provide Sunday, February 4th at 10 a.m. Uh, give us a call at 
3847, and we'll get uh, the rest of the details to you. Okay, I'm continuing with the pension, right? Just to recap, what we did in American society is we trusted the church to take care of its people. Because most towns, everybody went to the same church. And then as they got larger and, and there were different denominations coming in, there was some separation, there might have been people that had fallen through the cracks. Family and friends would usually help. That was often the case. Church where everybody would pool their resources and allow one person to rebuild their barn or on a Saturday we'd all go out and harvest the crops. right? Whatever you would do when somebody was injured or hurt or couldn't work, people would come together. The government comes in and sees... I think they they see some, well, influence waning away. So they said, hey, we have a night. We're going to have to come in and, and be the parent. We're going to have to be the neighbor that takes care of somebody, our child, when they're down. And we're going to take the place of the church in a lot of instances. That's what the left's objective is. It's to replace and eliminate the influence of the church with the influence of a left-wing government. Because then you're beholden to the government, right? The church had a had an agenda as well. They wanted you to be there on Sunday. They wanted you to give a little bit of your money, 10% to be precise, so that the next time somebody else got hurt, you'd return the favor. They didn't put you on the church government dole, right? Where they were paying you, paying your mortgage, harvesting your field for 10 years. They said, no, we're going to help you on this go around. And then, look, you're going to have to get up and go to work and fix it or sell your farm. You you realize there was a process. There wasn't this circle. It was a line. It it might have been a little rocky, but there was an ultimate destination. When the company pension comes along, and many of you have them, you can even replace it with public pensions, which by and large, so that you're clear, are way worse, way worse than company pensions. Right, Because the government says we are better because we can tax the people. Do you realize people can leave? And they are leaving. And people with money aren't staying. So when you raise the gas tax, when a gallon of gas is $6 a gallon, and in, in there are maybe $2, $2.5 in taxes and fees buried directly and indirectly, maybe more, in fact, probably $2.50, then you have to look at it and, and ask yourself, okay, so they're collecting the money. Why aren't the roads better? And you can extrapolate that over everything. If they're collecting the money, where is it going from the pension? Because they're taking it out of my paycheck, right? I work for the city, county, state. My government pension says a certain amount of contribution is mine. Where's it going? Well, you know, Louie retired last year, and he's doing well. I saw an Instagram post. He's in Fiji right now having a great time after Cabo and then scuba diving in the you know, Blue Hole and, and Belize. He's doing wonderful. He's happy. So there's my contribution from my paycheck is going to Louie. But where's the rest of the money? Government pensions were modeled after the government. Sorry, company pensions were modeled after the government. Because the company wanted to keep you employed. Again, they couldn't pay you more money because inflation was going out of control. That was a big part of it. So they said, look, we're going to have to retain people. We want you to stay working with us. So we're going to give you this pension thing. And it's going to be a lot of money and it's going to help you make a lot of 
you know, live comfortably. And in many cases, you could have what you would call a social security check and your company pension, provided you contributed to both. You would receive both. My problem isn't that these things exist. My problem is simple. It's that they haven't been a good steward of the money. In fact, they've been pretty lousy with the money. And by doing so, they've created a system that is going to be bankrupt. Now, what do you mean by that, Arif? Very important. Remember when we said they didn't have a pot to pee in? That's the old Roman, Roman way of saying somebody was really poor. That when the guy would come around with his wagon and his mule and he would have a big vat and he would pick up, you know, the evening's urine. I know it's a little gross. I'm sorry. And then they would take him over to the dry cleaner and there would be these huge pots. And they would be the tunics, the white tunics of the Roman uh, elite. And they would put them in it. They would use the acid, the uric acid. It would use be used to actually dry clean or, or to clean I say dry clean, but launder, maybe that's a better term. The uh, the tunics, the white tunics, because every day you're wearing them on the dirt roads and, and it's getting dusty. So as that starts to happen, a lot of you on the other side ask yourself, well, what? That, that, must be, that guy must be pretty poor. Yeah, he was. Today, what do we call poverty in America? <laughs> well, you have a cell phone. You have carpet. You have a heating and or air conditioning. Do you understand you have heat, uh, electricity, you flip a switch. You have, a, you have an air conditioning. You even have a car. Maybe the AC didn't work in the car. In fact, we never had air conditioning working in any of the cars when we grew up. We just opened the windows or drove faster. Or those little wing windows, you could kind of, you know, adjust them. I'm sure that's what they were for, where you could adjust it. I want the wind right on my face. I want it to go to the back seat. It wasn't until I had a, a car when I was 19 or 20 years old that I bought that had its own air conditioning. I was like, you got to be kidding. This all the time you can keep this air conditioning on? Yes, you can. So today's poverty includes a cell phone, Wi-Fi, internet, clothing. Take a look at a couple steps behind this. Look at a lot of the poverty south of the border in Mexico. Have you ever been dri uh, driving down the freeway and you see these pickup trucks with massive amounts of fabric. You know, they buy the, the clothes from various charitable Goodwill, Salvation Army, your yard sale. They pay you 15 cents, 30 cents, 50 cents for a shirt, something you spent maybe $80, $60 on, $40. Wore it however many times. They're not buying it to wear it. They're buying it to ship it across the border. They have these big pallets, big bundles of fabric, and they ship it across the border. Why? What does it do down there? Have you ever seen those? Sometimes these trucks are so overloaded, you're thinking, oh my gosh, you better drive carefully. Those things are huge. What do they have on these pickup trucks? They have clothing so that the food, shelter, clothing that is required to live in this world is provided by an entrepreneur. Somebody who says, well, look, the Americans have more clothes than they know what to do with. They have closets with an S, drawers with an S, filled with clothes. And every once in a while, they dump them, they turn them back in, they gain weight, lose weight, 
change fashion, whatever it is, we'll take it. That's why if you look at some of the, the, the pictures in Africa, some of the problems that they have, and they have videos of people, sometimes soldiers, young kids, and they have a Mountain Dew t-shirt on or Pepsi or, or Mickey Mouse. Like this guy has a Kalishnikov, flip-flops, and a, and a Mickey Mouse t-shirt or, or I vacationed in Tahoe sweatshirt t-shirt you go wait a second how did that guy get get a concert t-shirt for led zeppelin he's wearing it around in in somalia because that's what happens you guys we all give them up we're done with them we don't need them we don't want them and off they go so the food shelter clothing you see ask that person in that video hey so tell me about your government pension offset or when are you eligible for your Medicare supplemental insurance? And they look at you like you're nuts. You say, but but how do you survive if you don't have the government check on the second Wednesday of the month? And and they say, well, well we just work. And we work together. So if I have extra, whatever, corn, I give it to this person who has extra chickens and we swap, barter. So they're stripping away the self-reliance that a lot of you, at least some of you early on in your life, and certainly your ancestors had, to sit back, put your hand out, and collect a pension. Oh, Arif, I worked, you don't know, 12-hour days, six days a week. I worked my fanny off, and uh, the government pension, uh, they owed it to me. And Listen, I get it. I'm one of you. I, I was a Los Angeles policeman. We have a, a government pension. You work, ten, I think back then it was 10 years. If it was an on-duty accident, you could get retired at five years. 20 years was the, the standard, right? Come on at 21. You could retire with a 40% pension at age 41. That's nice. But it, explain to me, somebody lives 50 years, five zero, And you're going to pay them forever. I, look, at, I'm all right with those benefits. I liked it. I signed up for it. You just have to manage the money properly and do the math properly. If you don't, then there just isn't going to be money. CalPERS is a great example. California Public Employee Retirement System and California State Teachers Retirement System, the two largest in the state and some of the two largest in the world. Yeah, adding other countries, they're some of the largest. What's the problem? There just isn't enough money to pay out for people. There isn't. How do you fix it? You have to delay retirement. You have to cap the amount of cost of living that you're going to give, meaning as time goes on, inflation is going to eat up a big part of your retirement. However you lived 10 years ago, if your paycheck, even if it goes up 3% a year, 10 years from now, you're not going to live the same way at all. So how do you fix it? Well, you go back to being self-reliant. You go back to understanding as you're working, you need to put your own money aside. Because before the church, before the government, and before the company comes along, it was you and your family and your cousin, your mother, brother, sister. That's what it was. When I went and visited my dad's uh, old town in Lebanon, my uncle, who had 
uh, bought a house across the street from where he grew up, remodeled it completely. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It looks like a castle. It's beautiful. But across the street, when I say the street, it's about six or nine feet across. It isn't a very big street. It's a, like a mountain winding road. But across the street is where my dad and, and the 10, 12 kids grew up. They all live there. I think it's two stories, maybe something like that, two or three stories. They all slept in one big room. It's pretty amazing. Get a tour of it with my dad, still owned in the family. But what was fascinating to me is that this particular house, when you had a problem, you went across the street to the other guy's house, the uncle's house. Or you would go upstairs and say, tell your grandma, go upstairs, tell your grandma I'm going to the store so she can keep an eye on you. Remember that? Some of you are blessed to have your grandparent or your parent live with you now. And they are in the front room. They have the casita. They're in the back room. Whatever it is, they have their own place, section area. And what do they say? Well, simple. They say, listen, if you need something, let me know. But otherwise, I'm right here. So today, the reliant government, company, right, church, what, what happens? Well, they house people in, in these assisted living. Now, some people need to have medical care. Absolutely, I get it. Right? If we had an incident, we had an incident recently where a family member needed some things. And they, oh, Eric, you need to do this. I'm like, are you kidding me? I have no medical treatment. Why would I want to be the one that that, that caused a staph infection? Or, or right? So I get it. I'm not interested in going to medical school or learning this stuff. Why? Because I think there are professionals that can do it. All right, fine. If you can't afford it, you don't want to do it. You don't like that idea. Then you better learn how to be extremely sterile when you are doing things for the people that are living with you. I'm all right with that. I, I didn't want that guilt. Can you imagine? How, there are some of you that made a bad decision and somebody got hurt or passed. So I understand the need for a professional. You do. But you should also understand the need to take care of yourself. Basic care. When there isn't going to be help. Because the pension collapse is coming. I don't know what that means. I don't know if they stop giving you pay raises. I don't know if it means we're going to cut your pension in half. I don't know if it says, well, if you're older than uh, whatever, age 70, we're not going to touch it. But younger, we're going to give you a discount. They have to do something. Some Something somewhere. I, I, I don't know where. But I think you guys have to have in your in your thought process a plan B. Maybe even a plan D, as in David, right? Isn't prescription drug for some of us. Plan A was the church. Plan B was the government. Plan three is the company, right? A, B, C, let's do plan D, which is back to you. Because the poor should now be equal in the minds of the far left. Their job is to give them the same stuff that you have. And the only way to do that is not because they worked for it. I didn't say they didn't work hard. Not at all. Don't be silly. Those guys work a lot harder physically. But their intellect in managing money is whatever they have. Just like my intellect is whatever I have. Same for you. But there's no way that you can have an equal outcome of somebody who makes $22 an hour, financially speaking, as somebody that makes $2,200 a day. They're, they're not the same people. I don't mean they're bad or good. 
They have different responsibilities. They have more resources. But if you're going to say, hey, listen, we're going to take your Social Security person who makes $2,200 a day because you're rich, and we're going to give it to the guy over here who makes $22 an hour who can't save anything because he has a family that he has to support and electric bills for DWP keep going up. Why? Well, the pensions for DWP workers love them. Some of you clients love you. But the system cannot sustain paying the kind of pensions that the DWP workers have. It just can't. You have to keep raising the rates on old people. Come on. Is there anybody who feels guilty about that anywhere? Like, hmm, maybe that's just not right. Senior citizens are not getting pay raises, so we're going to raise their electric and water bill. But, oh, we got to keep it equal. Got to keep it equal. So the resources will be changed. As I mentioned earlier, the gasoline, the gas tax. What happened? What happens to all the gasoline tax? Where does it go? They're not fixing the roads and bridges, right? You, you've driven on them. They're horrible. They're certainly not putting a cleaning crew together. Look at all the trash on the center divider. And, and, and what you get is that old, uh, almost like a Three Stooges thing. Right, the county says, "Oh, it's not my fault." They, they each point in both directions, right? Like this, he went that away. Remember that the guy that points in both directions? Yeah, that's what happens when you say, "Hi, Caltrans, we have trash." And oh, that's not us; it's the county. Oh, that's not us; it's uh, Department of Transportation's other division. Okay, you go to the county. Hey, we have trash in the county. It's not us; it's the city. That area, that section, is the city. Instead of anybody saying, "Well, you know what? We have a community here." And we have mismanaged the monies greatly, mismanaged the pensions greatly. I want to recommend a book. Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book. It's called Who Stole My Pension? Who Stole My Pension? Robert Kiyosaki. I saw him speak a couple days ago. I like him. You guys know he wrote the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think he's brilliant. I think he's common sense oriented. Do I agree with everything he says in all of his books about everything? No, 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 no. I don't agree with my wife. I don't agree with myself. I change my mind sometimes with my mom and dad. Get it? There, from page 75, he said this. Okay, okay don't, don't listen to page 75 then. I don't know. Go back to thinking for yourself. Read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you agree with 51% of it, you probably should change some of your life, maybe. Read the book, Who Stole My Pension, if you have or are expecting a pension. The last uh, part of the book, last few chapters, breaks down, if you will, what you can do to make a difference. One is you start political pressure that these pensions need to be audited. Right? How a pension, even though people say, oh, well, Arif, the, the city, county, state, uh, water and power... Their pension says that they are doing fine, 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 fine. Okay, here's how a pension works. They have a bucket of money. They know how many people are working. The pay raises that are coming down the road from the entity, again, the, the department or the city, those people are getting dollars raises and it's going into the pension at a higher rate than it was last month. So let's put it this way. Last month, they were putting in $10 a day into their pension system. Now they're going to be putting in $11 a day. 
Well, the pension calculates that because they know that when that person retires in eight years, they're going to have to get a higher payout because it's going to be based on the most recent pay raise, which is all the way up. But you realize they never put in enough money for that because they're getting paid going back 30 years of work. But 30 years ago, they didn't get they didn't put in enough money to get their 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 paycheck from your job 30 years ago is less than you will be receiving in a pension today. And you will probably live close to 30 years anyway. So one is you never even put in enough money because the pension is a gradual thing that goes up. So you're now going to have to take out money from other people's contributions. Or the money that I put in 30 years ago, the 15 cents that I put in 30 years ago, should have been managed properly and not feed to death. Wall Street is feeing the daylights. Uh, It's a bit of a spoiler. You'll see that when you read the book. But the amount of monies that are being charged in the pension system, it's just outrageous. The fees, management fees, hidden fees, fees about fees. It's ridiculous. It's basically a cookie jar for Wall Street. So that 15 cents that I put in 30 years ago, 40 cents, whatever it was, even though today I'm going to be having to put in $11, but I get paid based on all those years of service. But they never managed that 15 cents properly. They didn't. So where's the money go? Well, it goes out in fees. It's like, oops. Right, CalPERS bought Brazilian rainforest lumber. I think it was $8 billion, with a B, billion dollars they lost. Because they're trying to be green. They didn't invest with math. They invested with feelings. Billions of dollars lost in Brazil. Did anybody get fired? Did we take their pension? Did we punish them? Did we give them a pay raise, pay, pay reduction? What did we do? Oh, 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 wait, wait. He said sorry. Got it. Okay, well, woof. That's $8 billion worth of sorry. I felt it. He was sincere. Sorry. They mismanage these things left and right. If there's a collapse in the market, stock market, real estate market, where these people are invested heavily, like Calsters owned a big part of Maui. I don't know if they owned some of it that burned in flames. They could have. Now what? Calsters owns a lot of real estate in, in Hawaii. California State Teachers Retirement System. I hope it didn't burn down. I hope they had insurance on it. Stay with me, guys, after the break. Your emails. I'm Eric Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. After the break, your emails. Stay tuned. On AM870, The Answer. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about 
about financial power, the total financial Hey, welcome back. Bear of Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. This is your show, your emails, your questions, my answers, sometimes your answers. You guys have been really good about sending in uh, responses and answers to various questions. Sometimes you give your points of view. I love it. I incorporate it in other things that we do uh, here on the radio. So that's important, and I appreciate it. Your experiences, many of you, look, at this is not a, a one-way radio conversation where, you know, I'm on this, this pen... This, uh, oh gosh, what would you say? This mountaintop and you're down below listening because a lot of you have had great experiences. I'd love to incorporate it. 28 years in the business, financial business as a professional. In fact, 20, 28, 27 and change, 27 and a half to be precise. Uh, but another 10 years prior to that as a trader, as an investor. So although I'm in my mid to soon to be late fifties, uh, it's been most of my life. And I think this is important to understand that things have changed dramatically. I remember speaking, I'll get to your emails here in just a second. I remember speaking uh, in, it was Christmas time, so probably November, December, 1996. There's reasons that I remember that that's when it was, but uh, that's, that's not important now. Okay, I speaking in front of maybe 125 financial advisors. I'd been in the financial profession for a while. Uh, sat on the, the board for, the, the subcommittee rather, for pensions for the police department. Uh, for LAPD, because I was still a police officer at the time. And I remember speaking to them and saying, look, the California Department, uh, sorry, the California State Teachers Retirement System, CalSTRS, and the Cal California Public Employee Retirement System, CalPERS. Now, there's a couple of other pensions, guys, CalPARS, et cetera. There's a couple other state pensions, but these two are by far the largest. As I mentioned, not just in the state, but probably in the country and maybe even the world, all right? CalSTRS, teachers, and CalPERS, public employees. All right, here's what I said. At that time, they were right around $6 billion upside down, $6 billion. That means they needed this number, reduce it by $6 billion by their projections, and that's what they currently had set aside and, that, and what they needed was a $6 billion deficit. So I remember speaking to them saying, listen, man, it's $6 billion. I don't know if we can do it. That's a lot of money. It's going to be difficult to fix, et cetera. Today, depending on who you listen to, today it's anywhere between $250 and $350 billion upside down each. That means whatever 1996 was, what, uh, 27 years ago. 27 years ago, it was about $6 billion. Today, it is hundreds of billions of dollars upside down. When I say that there's no way, no how, they're going to fix this. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think you guys are going to vote for them. I don't think you're going to get up, all of us, get up off our fanny and go stand in. I tell you, this is what you do. You go to the, the city council meetings. You go to the pension board meeting. These are boring, but necessary because there's six people in the audience. So the board of directors do, does what they want. They're manipulated by their Wall Street brokers. You have to go, you have to stand up, you have to fight, you have to, to research, you have to learn, you have to be involved. Why? Because you're receiving the check. It's not going to, it's tough. I'm sorry, you got, you got screwed. These guys are not taking care of you. Your retirement isn't just roses and, and lollipops. You have to get involved. Because here's why. 
the only way to fix this is to inflate the currency. That's what their current plan is, by the way. The U.S. government to fix the $33 trillion in debt is to inflate the currency. That means we borrowed $33 trillion, 20 years go by, we'll pay back 10 in real money, in real dollars, in gold, whatever. Why is that a, a big deal? Because China says, well, listen, we gave you money. We lent you money. So China actually borrowed, uh, sorry, sorry uh, well, China did borrow money from us, right? China still owes us, uh, I don't know, one point, I'm going to be off on the numbers. Let's call it $1.3 trillion. Yeah, surprise, you didn't know that, did you? China owes us $1.3 trillion, And they have bought about $1.1 trillion of our dollars. So yeah, we owe them, but they owe us. All right, so play along for a minute. That's that's a big number. Just don't forget that for a second. But China says, listen, we gave you money. We want it back with inflated dollars. So what does China do? They just inflate their own currency, meaning China used to be five for one, five of the yuan to one U.S. dollar. Now it's seven, what, 7.2, 7.3? Just in... 10 years, something like 10, 12 years, they've inflated at 50%. So if the U.S. thought they were going to borrow 30 and send back 10, China says, no problem, we'll just keep running with you. We have plenty of room in our economy to absorb inflation. Because worker man over there that was making $10 a day, we'll pay him $20 a day. It doesn't change his life. It doesn't change our life. It's $20. Now, he'll live better. So he'll consume more things, right? Because it's $20 a day. It's not, it's not 10 anymore. Because they have so many people, they can pay each person a little bit less. In the United States, in order to get through this mess, if they wanted to do it the right way, you have to pay each person right in the neighborhood of about twenty dollars to $30,000 more per year. Okay, that's a little more than $10 a day. Right? That's $300 a year or something comparatively, or 3000 rather, 3000 a year, 4000 a year. Or every man, woman, and child in the United States, an extra twenty dollars or $30,000 a year, that's a big number. And it's not going to happen because that would take everything. You'd have to take wheelbarrows of money to go to dinner. Right? You know what's happening in Venezuela and some of the places, Lebanon? Well, one, they're starting to use American dollars more and more because they don't trust their own currency and their own leadership. They're like, oh, these guys are crooked. But secondarily, what they're doing, which is fascinating, is they're paying for their meals at the beginning. Hi, I'll take a steak. My wife, yeah, she'll have the chicken. Uh, we'll have a salad. And, and yeah, so bring the bill right now. We'll pay for it. Because by the end of the meal, it was much more expensive. So they'd rather pay for it with pre-meal dollars. You let that sink in yet? So inflation is here to stay, here to stay for a long time. There's ways to fix it, but the pain is going to be very great. And some of you, well, all of us probably don't want it. So we just have to know that that's a big deal and it's coming down the road. Okay, let me give you the email address, Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif at TFSWealth.com. Arif at TFSWealth.com. All right. Here's an important part. Your emails, they matter, 
right? I don't always agree with everything. Arif, what you said, I would do it differently. Okay, good. I appreciate it. Thank you. Doesn't mean I believe it. Doesn't mean I'm going to change. No more than your wife or husband says something and you say, well, I guess if she said it, I now have to do it. No, no, no. You still are a human being. So keep this in mind. In your world of emails to me, I'm going to give you the best advice that I know. Over 10,000 plus, probably close to 15,000 appointments in my office, sometimes in your home way back when. So we have a bit of experience with this story. All right. So here's what I want to go over with you. This email is pretty important because in this particular case, uh, it's a life-changing event. All right. So let's pay attention for just a second. All right, here it is. Sheriff, I'm 58 years old and recently divorced. My ex-wife and I divorced after 30 years of marriage. Besides feeling like a failure for not making a three decades long marriage work, I have basically now had to start over. I have given my ex-wife the house and our and one of our rental properties. She also received our main house all for herself. Okay, here we go. I did not put up a financial fight for the houses. I did end up keeping an old IRA worth 120,000, my current retirement account at work, 418,000, and I'm currently renting a house but would eventually like to buy one in the next year or so. Okay, so stop for just a second. It looks like he's given his wife three houses, right? She has one of the rental properties, their main house, and another house. All right. And now he's renting. All right. Continuing with Mark's email. My kids are grown and don't really need any of my financial help. However, my youngest daughter, 20 years old, still lives with me and does not pay any rent. I currently earn almost 200000 a year and I'm putting in the maximum into my current 401k. I'm recently debt free, but I'm worried about my retirement because I would like to retire at the age of 67 if possible. But at, late, at the latest, I'll go to age 70. Is it likely for me to have retirement income of $8,000 a month? My social security at age 67 is $3,900 a month. And at age 70, it will be almost $4,800 a month. Okay. That's from, uh, that's Mark. Okay, think of it this way, Mark. You actually have, to get a bit of a recap, your ex-wife of 30 years, she's entitled to half of your Social Security or 100% of hers. Now, it doesn't mean yours goes down. doesn't mean yours is reduced by that half. It just means they took extra from you out of Social Security so that your wife could receive, as long as you were married at least 10 years, so she could receive half of it, but you have to start yours in order for her to receive it. Otherwise she can get a hundred percent of hers. Now, once you turn 70 years old and, and if you didn't start it, well, she could still receive it anyway. Okay. But if you started at age 67, she'll get half. Maybe that helps reduce some of the alimony. You didn't mention that. Maybe the two houses were enough with the rental income to, to offset any alimony that you might owe in the future. You guys, there's something called a DISO master. For those of you that have been divorced or, or divorced attorneys, I've been blessed to have not been divorced. I'm grateful for that because it's devastating to a family. My wife and I were actually talking about this recently. Like, man, so-and-so got divorced after all those years. 
how devastating it is because it is. I'm not saying the divorce is right or wrong. I don't know their circumstances or necessary. Maybe that's a better word. But it does devastate a family. And Mark, by no means am I a psychologist or a family counselor or any therapist of any sort. But sometimes I tend to take on a little bit of that role just because of the nature of what we do, which is money, which is often tied to emotions, success, self-worth, Income is often a part of that, right? Assets, how much you've accumulated, especially on the man's side, for whatever reason. That's how we've judged our success. So here's my recommendation for you, Mark. One, you're 58 years old. You got a long time of life left, probably another 40 years or so, depending on how well you, you take care of your body. So what I want you to do is to continue to rent. And I want you to buy one rental property a year. And then next year, buy another one. But if interest rates, doesn't matter. What about California? Listen, I don't buy in California. I'm not, I'm not a fan of California. They let people live in your house for free. The government broke the law. Unconstitutional. And they knew it. And they said, oh, you don't have to pay mortgage. You don't have to pay rent. Look, are you kidding me? What, what are you, a king? You don't make the law. You're, you're governor or, or mayor or president. So I'm not a fan of places that are blue. I, I wouldn't buy. I would buy in red states with a red governor, with red senators, because those are statewide. And then where I would buy is the community, the, the district, if you will, congressional district, that is also conservative. 50, 60, 70%, 70% or more vote. I love it. 60% or more, fine. I want a conservative community because they're less likely to cheat. They're less likely to sneak and to, to call you a bad person for owning a rental property, right? For providing housing to other people, boy, you're an evil son of a gun. That's what the left and certainly the Democrats today think. All right, so I would do that. I want you to buy one rental property a year. Now, listen, you're going to meet with your CPA. You're going to meet with your financial advisor, maybe even an attorney. Do I put it in an, a limited liability company? I want you to have a rental property component to what you do, and here's the reason because it will give you certain tax write-offs later on in life when you start to collect Social Security or your 401k withdrawal. You can have money come out. You can live on it when you're retired. It becomes part of your assets, part of your income stream. Okay, so very important you look at this. All right, so think about that. Next, I want you to take that old retirement account and let's start building kind of bricks foundational bricks of income. Social security is nice, but if you just listen to the first hour of the program, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith that it's going to be there at the same percentage that you think. If they're going to say, oh, Mark, you get $4,800 in 12 years. I'm, okay, $4,800. What's it really worth? Oh, in real dollars today, it's worth $3,000. So can you live on $3,000 today, even though we're calling it $4,800? Oh, yeah, you can. No problem then. Good. Good. And if we're wrong, and instead of 4,800 being 3,000, maybe 4,800 is 4,500. Ah, look, that's a, so what? Good, good news for you. Tough luck, Arif was wrong. You get to take two extra vacations this year. I'd be okay with that. You see, how I plan is different. When we're putting together any kind of financial income strategy, it's very simple. We just look to make sure that you have a foundation. 
food, shelter, clothing, internet today, insurance, right? Those transportation. Ah, oh, but Eric, you know, I can buy this uh, this new company. Got it. Go go do that. You want to buy stock, bond, mutual funds, things that go crazy, private companies. I'm I don't have anything against that, un- unless you're using your rent money, unless you're using your food, shelter, clothing money that you're going to need in two, five, ten years. Because what if you're wrong? Wouldn't it be nice to have a foundation of something that says I need? Look, I according to Mark, I'd like $8,000 a month to live on. That's great. But what do you really need? I don't know. Let's just say he needs five. All right, then my job is to make sure that $5,000 between whatever sources of income he has is there. Now, if he wants to invest the rest and go do something crazy and maybe he hits a home run and instead of 8000 a month, it turns into ten or twelve, and he's living like a king, well, great. But if he's wrong then at least we have his food, shelter, clothing still together. Do you follow me on that? Because all in all, we're going to need about $800,000 in all your retirement accounts at age 70 to give you that for sure income of $8,000 a month. And we can easily do that based on what you have and what you're saving. I don't. We don't see that as a problem. But remember, taxes are going to be your most expensive Expense in retirement, not health care. Taxes are going to eat you from today until the day you die. And then even after you pass, somebody's got to do your tax return and probably even pay some tax on some money that you never paid on. Taxes are never going to go away. So you need a good tax professional to balance, to look at. We work with them, right? You might say, hey, Arif, I have this. I, I love my tax person, but I want him to talk to you. Great. That's what we do. We get on the phone. In some cases, I'll meet in person with them or or Zoom call. Our job is to be part of that team. Let the experts do what they do and see if we can take care of at least some, offsetting some tax-free retirement income. Okay, what about risk? Is the risk of loss just too much before you're ready to retire? In other words, let's say you're a year out of retirement or four years out of retirement. And there's another huge collapse like we had in 2000, 2008, 1987, 1991, 2020. Sometimes we bounce back from those rather quickly. Sometimes it takes years to get back. Right from 2000, it took us seven years to get back to the numbers that we had in 2000. Right, the height of 2000, March I think it was March 15th, if I'm not mistaken. And 2000 was the height of the market. And it took us seven years or so to get back to where we were. But along the way, Wall Street always got paid. Right? Why do you think it took so long? Because fees were being taken out. Because taxes were being forced to be paid on some of that. Maybe not by you because it was in your retirement account, but the mutual fund had to pay taxes in some of it. So taxes, fees, they're always going to eat up some of your retirement accounts. The goal is to make sure that they are not very much or at all. And if we have a decline that takes seven years to get your money back, then you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? Well, maybe with some of your money, because maybe it'll be one of those that we lose and get it all back within six months. Okay, sometimes that happens. How are you going to sleep at night? 
right? I, I think peace of mind is a big part of retirement. Living in that house or that big place or driving that fancy car, all those things are nice. I like them. But really what matters in retirement is a good night's sleep, peace of mind, comfort that no matter what, your retirement is still going to be in place. No matter what, some money is coming in next month. may not be millions, but it's my food, shelter, clothing. Right? What I don't want you to do is be one of those folks that have your hands out. You're well and able and capable, but you've been neutered by the government, by the pension company, and you can't work. Right? Some of you have union jobs. I see this all the time. Union pensions. Air, if I retire, I get my, my union money. Great. Oh, but I can't work for six months or for one year. Go, what do you mean? Well, if I retire at 65, I have to wait one year before I can still work in my trade. Well, that's how can somebody say you can't work? Oh, well, that's part of the union pension because they're taking a job away from another brother. And uh, I mean, I, I get the reasoning. I don't agree with it at all. I think it's socialism. It's communism. It's Marxist. How can you tell a man he can't work? You've earned this. You've put money in. And we're going to pay you based on these rules. Oh, and by the way, the rules say you can't go out and physically earn. You have to sit there with your hands out. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Let's go to the post office. Let's go to the mailbox. Did it come in yet? Oh, there it is. Woof. Direct deposit. Let's check the phone. Check the computer. Oh, it hit. All right. Where's that self-reliance? Look, I'm torn with it because I understand the purpose. I understand the reasoning behind it. I don't agree with it at all. I think it's a false narrative. I think we should say, listen, if you've earned this pension, you get it. You want to keep working, work. Maybe you're not contributing to the pension anymore, so you're not adding. Okay, that's fine. Well, your pension benefit's going to be what it is based on the math. So I'm concerned about some of that. So Mark, part of this... Back to your email, part of this concern is you're making almost 200000 a year, which means you're probably close to spending, minus your 401k contribution, 200000 a year. So to reduce that down to 100000 a year or so, you know, half, you have to make sure that you have other sources of income or tax write-offs to adjust for that difference in lifestyle. Otherwise, I would say, well, Mark, you're making 200000 a year. You're putting in money into your retirement account, so minus that out. Let's call that 30. So now you're really making around 170 minus some taxes. Okay. So if, if you're really only spending 96000 a year, you should have fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year going into your savings account after tax money. Now, if you show me you do, all right, cool. The reason I think that might be what's happening is very simple. Because you're still renting, which gives us a chance to buy rental property. You're going to work with a tra uh, with an expert, right? Uh, you're going to work with who? Not somebody on TV in the, in the thir 27 minutes of a 30-minute show or something. No, no, no. You're going to actually work with an expert, not a fix and flipper on TV. Maybe their ideas work. Maybe they don't. You find the right community. Maybe it's outside of California. Maybe you manage it yourself. Maybe you hire a management company. But you also take a big part of your retirement money, your old IRA, and we get it safe. We get an income stream starting 
in the next few years, right? 10 years. Whenever you're ready to start, we push it off to the future a little bit. All right, stay with me, guys. I have another email. Husband and wife, business owners that are selling their business, and I have some caution for them when we come back. This is Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. Hey, don't forget, February 4th, 10 a.m., February 4th, Sunday, 10 a.m., we actually have a movie for you. It's called The Police State Movie. It's free. Give us a call at 888-997-3847. Stay with me after the break. Another email. We'll be right back. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm Arab Halabi, the total financial hour. Try to fit that in on the last, just before the last break. So I'm going to say it a little slower this time. Uh, it is Sunday, February 4th at 10 a.m. If you'd like to attend for free the Police State movie, we're, we're doing this. We're sponsoring it. It's an event. Uh, look, it's not right for everybody. I've seen trailers. I've not seen the entire movie. It is definitely a little bit uh, eye-opening, scary, I've heard. The trailers have been uh, very well done. The, the movie seems to be very, very well done as well. Dan Bongino and uh, Dinesh D'Souza are the two that put this together and really put together an amazing uh, piece of work. And maybe there's certainly others involved that I don't know their names, but they did a great job. They put together a, a very informative movie that's designed to kind of wake you up. Maybe that's the right answer. Maybe that's what we need. Look, you're not born at a time in the middle of World War II, right? You're not born at a time in the middle of the Great Depression. Some of you, most of you can remember the uncertainty that we felt with the nuclear, uh, I guess, threat hanging over us with Russia or the Soviet Union at the time. And everybody said, Ronald Reagan's going to be, he's wild, he's a cowboy. Isn't that funny? They said the same thing about Donald Trump and both of them achieved... Pretty good overall world security. I don't know if that's the right term, but our world peace on some level, best you can. Yeah, they did stuff you that's yucky. It's the old, old uh, how, what is it? How the sausage is made, right? You don't want to see it. You just want to eat it. <laughs> so, all right. So, so anyway, February 4th. 10 a.m. If you'd like to go, give us a call at 888-997-3847. There's limited seats. So if you call and you have to go on a waiting list, I think it's worth it. If we have enough to open a second theater, then we'll do that uh, as well. So uh, just call, give us your name, how many people are coming. We're going to ask some questions so we can put you on the list. Uh, And if we have to open a second showing, uh, if there's enough to make it financially make sense, then we'll do that. Okay. So I encourage you to not give up and to sign up. It's worth it. All right, continuing with your emails, you guys have heard me discuss before the opportunity to sell a business. I'm going to tell you my personal experience with clients coming in. Uh, It is by no way indicative of every experience or an example of how it always works. I'm just going to tell you what my experience has been 
And I think you can decide its credibility and its application to your life. All right. I'm going to get to to the email in just a second, but I think you also need to know that this uh, normally works in a not so good way. Here's what I mean. People will sell their company, whatever it is, a grocery store, a liquor store, a muffler shop, a mechanic shop, anything that you can think of that you sell in which there's inventory or assets and at the same time a business, right? A business that's been operating, et cetera. First of all, my recommendation is never buy the company. You buy the assets. Because if you buy the company, then any potential lawsuits that have yet to be filed, any liability that has happened in the past, any concerns that have an ongoing but undisclosed event, the company is the one that's sued. And if you bought the company, that person walks away and you end up with the problems. However, if you buy the assets, right? If you buy a laundromat, you buy all the machines. You buy out the lease. So it was... 123 LLC, and now it's Arif Hallaby LLC. Different company. I write him a check for the 27 washing machines and 30 dryers, you know, whatever it is. Take over the lease. The lease was under the 123 LLC. Today, the lease is now under my name. Brand new five year lease or 10 year, whatever it is. Right? The idea of keeping the corporation alive can be a problem if there are liabilities with it. Now, if you're saying, oh, Eric, this is a huge company, you know, Boeing is buying Northrop. Okay, fine. It's it's different. There's, they have lawyers, they have teams of people to do research. There's always going to be problems. They expect there to be problems on that level when you know Tesla buys a company, whatever. These are huge companies. I'm talking about you and I buying or selling our manufacturing or, or, or whatever type of company or entity. My recommendation is to not buy the company itself, buy the assets, buy the contracts. I don't want you to buy the LLC or the corporation. All right. Here's why that is a big deal because it comes to life in this particular story. Dear Eric, we're selling our company in the spring of next year and plan on relocating to Nevada. Our new life will be in the new state, but I'm concerned that California will go after me and my future wife uh, and my wife for our future taxes. Even though we won't be living in California, I'm concerned California will still try to tax our income next year. We will sell our business and all of the equipment that goes with it. Most of the money that we receive will be upfront, but we will be receiving monthly payments for the next 24 months. I want to pause there because here's what I want you to understand. The Again, my experience... If you are expecting to receive payments from a company, it doesn't happen very often. There are good people out there that buy businesses and pay for it. There are good people that buy companies and do it the right way. There are people that are honorable and make their payments, right? They give you $100,000 up front, $10,000 a month for two years, and there's the big chunk, and in two years and two minutes, they are done paying you, and off they go with your company. All right, that happens. My experience has been it has happened very rarely. There isn't always some sort of a sneaky thing that they do. Oh, sorry, you never told me, so I'm withholding payments. Sue me. 
right? There's always seems to be something somewhere you told me or that customer dropped off or the numbers aren't what you said they were or the supplier raised their prices and now you're in a lawsuit or you just walk away. And believe it or not, there are people, this is what they do. They go in, they offer, offer a low ball up front, high monthly payment, they make four, five, eight payments, and then they're done. Never again do they make another payment. And they tell you to sue them, right? So that's a big challenge for you to look at when you're selling your business. If the upfront is enough, I mean, the rest of it is nice. It's supposed to happen. You want it. But if you don't receive the next 24 months of payments, you kind of have to figure out what are you going to do? Is it worth suing? Is it worth bringing in litigation? I don't know that. All right. So my experience is that it, it doesn't happen very often where people make the payments that they've committed to. All right. Continuing with the email. So we're going to receive payments for the next 24 months. We do each have our own 401k plan from my business and Roth IRAs we had been saving for our income later on. Our Roths, which are tax-free Roth IRAs, okay? Our Roths total 525000 and our 401k plans total $1.3 million. Since my wife may be working part-time in Nevada and I will be receiving the money from the sale of the business, I don't think we really need any money from these accounts for at least two years. I'm 61 and she is 60. We are both still very active and we plan on traveling a lot for the next few years. Sometimes that travel will bring us back to California because two of our kids still live here. So how do we make sure California does not classify us as residents even though we have moved? We want to make sure we are not in California when we sell our business. We will also be selling our main house, but would like to try to keep the condo by the beach. Okay. Signed it anonymous, or at least that's how they want me to bring it to you. Okay. All right. We got a lot of things to unpack here. So grab your pen and paper. So let's think about this. Their ages are 61 and 60. So they're past the age 59 and a half. So I know I don't have to worry about any of those rules coming into play. They want to travel back to California. California looks, do you still have a residential house here? That's one of the things they look at. There's a 15-part test. I won't get into all 15 of them, but a, a law firm that uh, that we work with personally and, and refer clients to uh, puts it out and says, you know, here's the test that somebody as aggressive as New York and California because they know people are leaving. Now, who they really dislike are the people that are leaving that make a lot of money and are being sneaky about leaving, meaning they're not really leaving, but they kind of sort of are. If they find out you're deceptive or they think you're dishonest, they will go after you. So what will they do? First of all, they're going to go and ping your cell phones because they can look historically what tower your cell phone hit off of, where you made phone calls, who you made phone calls to. It's pretty amazing. They ping your credit cards. They look at your debit cards. Where did you deposit money? Where did you withdraw from what ATM? They look to see, oh, why are you buying money or, or spending your, your credit card at that restaurant or going to that gas station? You understand that? It's, it's, this is a big deal for California. We had a client who uh, lived just over the Nevada border, six months and two weeks, whatever the number was, but it was just over six months. And 
back in California five months and a half or five months and seven months, right? So less than six months in California. So here's what they did. They knew this. They kept a log of their time where they were. When they fly to Europe, they fly out of the Las Vegas airport. So they fly Europe for two weeks, come back to Nevada. Okay, you understand that that counts as Nevada time because it's not in California. Very important. But they got a knock on the door. Ding, ding, ding. Hi. I think I shared this with you guys once before. Hi, we're from the U.S. Department of Census. Wild, huh? Here's my badge. Male and a female. Here's our badge. Oh, great. Okay. We just had a couple quick questions. Thanks for your time. Sure. What do you need? Well, we just want to... Oh, basic questions, right? Oh, my gosh. That's such a cute dog. I, You know, I, I live close by. Do you have a vet that you go to close by here for your dog? Because, you know, my dog's sick and I, and I, I need to... Oh, yeah, we go... Or, or, or a good groomer? Yeah, groomer's over there. Yeah, okay. Question, basic, basic, basic question. Oh, my gosh, your nails are so beautiful. Where do you get those done? After about three of these questions, it didn't take very long. It's a pretty sharp couple. After three of these questions, they said, you guys aren't really from the Department of Census, U.S. Department of Census, are you? No, we're not. Franchise Tax Board, we are investigators. We see that you are spending some time in California, not paying any California income tax. They said, well, yeah, because we're residents of Nevada. Here's my driver's license, car registration, car insurance. Here's what you need. Their point was that home is where the heart is. You realize it's not just six months in a day. It's if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck. <laughs> I don't know if that's a legal precedent. Yeah. Page 17 of the California Code of Civil uh, walks like a duck. <laughs> I think what it is is very simple prescriptions, doctor's offices, your female doctor, your for checkups, your uh, church membership, your gym membership, car registration, on and on and on. Where are you spending your time, but where are you spending your money? So you have to ask yourself, what is, are, are you really outside of California? So if you really are, you really are. You should be, you know, planning. You should, you should be counting it, if you will. But if you're not, I'm going to tell you now, don't be sneaky. Don't cheat. Don't be sneaky. You either are and you pay the price. It's called taxes. We do. Or you don't. This game where you one foot one. And wealthy people do this all the time. I want you to know that. They have the house in Bel Air, Brentwood. You know how many people that live in Bel Air, Brentwood-ish areas? Beverly Hills, etc. Palos Verdes, Palos Verdes Estate, Pacific Palisades. Palisades Highlands, you know how many of them aren't really residents of California because they can afford a condominium in Henderson or a big house, whatever, in on the Nevada side of Tahoe or Arizona. And what do they do? They log their time. Ten minutes past, you know, six months. They are not in California. They track it, everything. So they get to live like, but they can afford two houses. Most people can't, right? Especially the property taxes that go with it. Those are expensive things. We have a client who lives in Brentwood. Her, pro her and her husband's property taxes are $80,000 a year. 
So you realize you have to make about, at their tax bracket, about $140,000. You have to physically go make one hundred and forty. dollars Give $60,000 to the government because they're at 50, 55% in taxes. 60000 to the government, 80000 property taxes. Not very many people can afford a couple of those. Nice if you could. I want you to. It's your money. So don't cheat. All right? I can't tell you enough. Just do it the right way. Yes, there's sacrifices for doing things the right way. Yes, you'll pay more taxes in California and gasoline and car registration. It, it stinks. But if you have one foot in one world and one foot in the other, then you can manage it properly. All right, here's the other part. If you're going to sell the business, guys, if anonymous, if you guys are going to sell the, your business and the business is located in California, California is still going to want their piece. Right? As I'm not a tax expert, I'm just going to tell you that's common sense in our world. We know that's more likely to happen. In fact... It will happen. If you sell your business in California, doesn't matter where you live, California will still ask for some part of that as taxes. But always seek the advice of CPAs and attorneys that understand this. Okay, you guys have heard me talk about KKOS lawyers, right? Mark Kohler and his team, KKOS lawyers. Love them. I think they have a real strong foundation in understanding this. They have a great team of people. And they're going to keep you from, I think, paying fines and, more importantly, going to jail. All right. So make sure you sell your main house also. We've been given advice that that's or rent it out. Have a lease agreement, rent it out. Somebody else lives there. Give yourself one year of tax world to go through so that it's sold or it's rented. Make sure your driver's license. I mentioned to you your hairdresser, your veterinarian your pet, church, gym membership. Okay, make sure all that is happening. And make sure that your CPA and your attorney guide you through this process so that when it comes time to file your last California income tax for you and whatever business structure you have, that you do it properly. And then pay when you are here in California with the credit card, debit card, the client that we have that, that was visited by the Franchise Tax Board, what he does is when he enters into California, he uses a gas credit card, and there's a timestamp on it. Bing, here's where I am. When he comes back to Nevada, he uses his gas credit card because he drives each time, and ding, it registers when he arrived. So you can take a third-party review. Here's when I came. Here's when I left. Okay, so you can do that. When I say they ping your cell phones and your credit cards, it, 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 they're, they're treating you like an organized crime criminal member. It's pretty important. If they think you're straddling states, they break out, especially if you're in the higher income, right? If you guys are going to be selling, if, if you have millions of dollars between the sale of your business, the sale of your house, I think you need to understand you can visit California, right? It, it's almost like prison, right? It's a very unique scenario and a unique time in our history. I think it might be okay to keep the beach condo, maybe rent it out for a year as, as I mentioned, or Airbnb it. So it shows that there's a rental record of some sort, deposit the money, pay taxes on the money, deduct the house or the, the condo accordingly on and on all the stuff you're supposed to do as if it was a real rental, because it needs to be a real rental. Now, maybe your attorneys and your CPAs will say, well, you don't have to rent it. Here's what you can do to, okay, fine. If there's a 
you know, if there's a strategy around keeping it, then, then you keep it the right way. I think it's a good idea to keep it when it's really hot in parts of Nevada, Utah, Arizona. I think being at the beach for two months is not a bad idea during the summers. Right, the Oxnard, the Ventura, I don't know what the the cost is for a condo over in that world, but man, it's a smart idea. And I'll bet you could rent it out, even midterm rentals. Here's what we found. Ready for this? We have a client that owns some of those condos and townhomes and, and they rent them to traveling nurses. Have you thought about that? It was fascinating to me when she shared it with me. She said, oh yeah, we have a connection for traveling nurses and when they come to visit or, or to work for three months or six months, they love being by the beach because most of them are from the Midwest and there isn't really a beach or certainly the weather is much different where they're from. So they're willing to do whatever drive it might take to live by the sea. So consider that as an option as well, right? You establish it as a as its own entity, maybe its own LLC. Very important. Because here's what happens, guys. The taxes that you would pay in California are enormous. But the car insurance in Nevada is often much higher than California. Couple reasons. Just because you're moving to some area doesn't mean everything is champagne and roses. Property taxes in Texas are huge. So do you see the difference? There may not be any income tax. So how are you going to live your retirement life? If it's going to be, I want a big house, I want a lot of land, I want a big house by the, you know, three acres and a, a 4,000 square foot. Okay, those are fine things, but you're now going to be house heavy in retirement. So property taxes will hit you at a much higher level. So you either have to go 10 plus acres in Texas and you get the write-off. It's called agricultural write-off where you have to do certain things. Or... You buy a regular, nicer home, but in a, in a subdivision, as long as you're income heavy. So if you say, listen, I have three pensions, I have massive rental property income, I, I have business income and dividends and on and on, all this annuity income, fixed indexed annuities, our favorite, right? Our specialty, fixed and fixed. Those are coming in every month. So then now you're income heavy in retirement. So you need to be in a place where income isn't taxed. Regular house, big income, Texas. Nice fancy car, big income, big house, Nevada. Okay, so what are you trying to find? How are you trying to live? If you want kind of the best across the board between taxes and car registration and gasoline and on and on, it's Nevada, uh, sorry, it's Arizona and Utah. Again, my experience with my clients 27 plus years. Hasn't always been that way. California used to be the place that everybody came to. But now, if you're middle class, you have one income, but it's good. In other words, one type of income, job or retirement. You're asking yourself, if I stay in California, how much will I pay? A good example here, $100,000 a year in income. Not bad money. You live just by the time you pay everything, car registration, gasoline tax, homeowners uh, tax and insurance, all the th sales tax. 
you're just slightly above minimum wage for husband, wife, two kids. Slightly above minimum wage. Can you imagine that? Now, if you make $100,000 a year in 30 different states, 40 different states across the country, you're living where the doctors and the attorneys and the, the, the middle, upper middle class, wealthier people. Do you see the difference? So if income can be structured, if working with us, 888-997-3847, if working with us can be part of that income stream, then we would say find a place with low or very no in, or no income tax. Find a place where the property tax equals the kind of way you'd like to live. Right? So it's just a formula. It's a math formula. Again, our job is to work with your CPAs, your tax professionals. Our job is to work with the experts in your life. See if we can get a, a strategy built together on one side. But remember, you have to get involved. This is not a game anymore. It's not a time where you get to just sit back and enjoy fishing. You have to be involved. The activists in retirement, you guys are so valuable. I'm sorry that it's not what you thought, fishing and sitting by the sea on your dock. It's now getting involved. And I pray you do. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day and an amazing week. I will see you here next time, next week, on AM870 The Answer. This is the Total Financial Hour. Remember to give us a call at 888-997-3847 if you'd like to attend the Police State movie for free, February 4th, 10 a.m. We're putting that on as a, as a thank you to a lot of you for listening and a warning so you're careful and prepared. Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. Have a blessed week.